The reading is Luke 4, 14 to 30, and can be found on page 1031 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. Luke 4, 14 to 30. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilling in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much indeed, Gabby. Uh, We are starting this new series in these um, early chapters of Luke's Gospel. Um, And I've called it Jesus' Words, Powerful but Controversial. And um, it opens with these, uh, these early chapters looking at the life of Jesus as he begins his earthly ministry um, and because the Lord is very kind to me, would you believe um, Netflix dropped a series uh, at the start of this year called Messiah, um, which is a very interesting series. Um, they have come up with a story which imagines that a Messiah figure appears on earth in our age now. Uh, and imagines what it would be like in our social media modern age to see what 
uh, reaction um, uh, this figure would get. And in particular, there is a kind of divisiveness about this figure. I'm going to show you a, a trader in a second. But the, the very kind of clever thing they've done is to, to imagine somebody who emerges and their line is, would he convert you or would he con you? Is he uh, a genuine figure? Is he somebody of God? Or is he dangerous? Uh, this is the, uh, the trailer, and I'll mention briefly afterwards. He's come out of nowhere, and we don't know who he is. What do we know about him? He's leading desperate people. So this is a cult? We don't know who he's associated with. He could be creating an army. Or he could be leading them to their death. What were you doing in Syria? Did you get a message? A message from whom? My father. And who is your father? Who's lost it? What do you mean? He just disappears. No one just disappears. We all witnessed a miracle. He saved my daughter's life. You need to see this. Bury it for as long as you can. He didn't just click his heels and end up here. He clearly had help. You get around Syria, Israel, Texas. It's the nature of my work. And what is that work? God's work. Who do you think he is? You didn't see what I saw. And if I did, would I be calling him the second coming? How far will this new movement spread? I'm going to find out everything about you. Compelling, isn't it? Now, a couple of caveats. Um, I'm very careful with what I talk about from the front here. Um, this isn't family viewing. Um, please uh, check uh, the kind of uh, the material. There are websites which will tell you what's in it. Particularly if language is your issue, um, uh, do be aware. So I, I'm not counting. If, if last week you came and listened to me talk and you went home thinking my take home was I should go and watch Dunkirk, that's fine. But that, this one needs a little more caution. So. But it is very compelling, the idea that this figure of a Messiah, were he to arrive, is very divisive. Is he really from God, or is he actually a dangerous figure that you should avoid? Luke um, has opened his gospel, um, and just to, to kind of set the scene and, and kind of fill you in on where we are, um, I'll just put that up there rather than the Netflix ad for a second. He's writing to somebody called Theophilus, um, it begins his gospel, and he is explaining that he wants to help Theophilus. Theophilus obviously has some uncertainties, some doubts about who Jesus is, and he wants to uh, reassure him, to, to, to explain things to him. And he says it's okay to cross-examine this figure of Jesus, this Messiah figure. It's worth looking into him. And his opening chapters, which are the kinds of chapters which we really look at at Christmas, are those which portray the Messiah as quite a, a big, um, almost abstract figure. 
Uh, Jesus is going to be the son of God. Mary is told um, he is going to have David's throne. He's going to reign forever. Um, he's going to do uh, the Magnificat. He's going to have, bring about amazing reversals. There are extraordinary things that he's going to do. John the Baptist arrives, says he's going to be this really effective judge who comes. Uh, and then he, just before our passage, in fact, you see Jesus takes on Satan in the wilderness in a kind of cosmic battle almost. So everything is is extraordinary. And then Luke says we now arrive at Jesus' earthly ministry when he begins to walk amongst people. And what happens? And what he shows us is quite a controversial man. His words are powerful, but controversial. They are powerful. If you've got a Bible open and you just glance across to chapter 5, verse 14, you'll see that people come to him, chapter 5, verse 14, to hear and be healed. There is something very compelling about him. The crowds come, they want to be healed by him, they want to hear what he has to say, but they are also, he is controversial. There will be those who will, as we'll see towards the end of our series, accuse him of blasphemy. And indeed, at the end of our passage here now. This is the kind of figure he has. What do you make of him? Um, We're going to look at what this claim is, and then we'll look at these kind of positive and negative responses. Um, And this big, bold claim comes in the first part of our reading, uh, which Gabby read for us. And Luke really knows how to build the drama. Uh, Jesus has been away. He's returned to Galilee, which is his hometown, uh, his home area, and uh, it's in the north. So he's come back. He's been away. He's come back. And you have to imagine he arrives in a synagogue. And I was thinking, imagine somebody that we know, um, perhaps a mission partner or somebody, had come back from being away for a while. And So standing in front of you, someone who's been away, he's here, and he's, he's arrived, he's given the scroll, it's the scroll of Isaiah, and there's a familiarity, but there's an expectation, and the room is quiet. And he unrolls this scroll. And he's reading from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll and hands it back. And there's silence. And they're all waiting. What is he going to say? And he says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Mic drop. It's that sort of moment. And you imagine there's this familiarity with him. Hold on. This is Jesus. And and they're they're listening. They're wondering, what do you make of this? This extraordinary. He doesn't actually, if you look at it, he doesn't really elaborate on any of it. You might be expecting him to unpack all of this and explain, but he doesn't. He doesn't explain what uh, this good news exactly is yet. He doesn't really explain what freedom for prisoners means. Uh, he doesn't explain what sight for the blind is going to mean. Other than to say, it locates itself in me. 
I am here and this is it. So you can imagine why there are these different responses to him. Um, I think it's worth just kind of putting out there. In our day and age now, in our day and age of uh, grandiose Twitter remarks and extraordinary statements, I suspect some of us are a little uncomfortable and sceptical. Somebody comes along and says, I am it. And in, in some respects, the age where um, somebody might embody a kind of fulfillment or hope of something feels like it is long gone, even though it wasn't that many years ago. I think it's just worth putting out there that some, this morning you may be quite sceptical. You may think, who is Jesus to rock up and say, today this is fulfilled in your hearing? What does that mean? He says, I am bringing this in in my person, in who I am. And I think the reason I mention that is just to to put that out, because there is this tension that we might feel. What do we make of this? Are we supposed to believe him or not? Is he genuine? Is he dangerous? And the two responses that follow, the first are that that people are amazed at his words. Um, It actually comes up in in verse 14, Jesus is in the power of the Spirit, News about him is spreading. So there is a growing movement. And in verse 15, he was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. There was a, uh, he was being acclaimed. Fame about him was being spread abroad. Have you heard? He would have been on social media. There would have been that kind of clips of him teaching would have been going viral. People are amazed at what he is saying, and he is genuinely impressive. So verse 22, after he says that, people speak well of him and are amazed at the gracious words that come from his lips. People do respond positively. Um, I was trying to think of a... um, This is no more or less divisive, I think, really, but I was trying to come up with an an illustration for this. Without trying to say anything political at all... um, there is currently a debate going on here and probably in the States as well about whether uh, the Labour Party, who are trying to choose their new leader, as you know, whether they need another Tony Blair figure. Now, I know he's, he's now a controversial figure in his own right. But there are, there, as, as people have argued, that the Labour Party hasn't won, and then they did under him, and then they haven't won since. Do they need somebody like him? Uh, he was very good at communicating. He was very good at what he did. He did win elections. And it's interesting, that debate, he was somebody who was impressive. People were uh, drawn to him. And people are drawn to what Jesus says here. And we'll see it as we go through. We'll see them wanting to come and hear and be healed. They'll, They'll want to hang on what he is saying. And people are genuinely moved. I think Luke wants us to see that. And I'll come back to it right at the end. But they are equally angry at him. So if they're amazed at him, uh, they're also angry at him. And that's the second half uh, of this uh, passage. So it kind of flips in the middle of verse 22. And they ask this, some of them, so so some of them are amazed. Some of them say, well, isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, Isn't this just Joseph's son? Um, And... The first of the sort of criticisms that is being lodged at him is, basically, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Jesus, we know you're from here. You're Joseph's son. We know who you are. 
uh, until a while ago, you were just, uh, you're, you're around. You're just Jesus from down the road. You're just Jenny from the block. We know who you are. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you know that feeling when you go back to your, if you might have this feeling, if ever you go back to some old haunts that you have where people knew you in an earlier time, I'm going to let you in on something. When I was at university, I saw a university friend of mine um, a week or so ago. Uh, when I was at university, um, I had a nickname. I was given a nickname by uh, um, uh, uh, on my university friends, um, and it was not the guy on the right. It was Lando. I was I was called Lando. I think it was possibly because he's the only ethnic minority in Star Wars. <laughs> it was the '90s, and it was a different time then. Um, uh, and, and I was thinking about, I was showing them some pictures of, uh, of the service from a couple of weeks ago and me wearing the, you know, the big flowing robes and, the, and everything and, all that, and the bishops here and that sort of thing. And, and I, I was showing them thinking that you, if you go back to your old haunts, the people who knew you when you were younger, there's that little bit where you're sort of holding up a phone saying, that there's me and the bishop. And, and they're like, would you get over yourself? It's just you, Lando. What are you doing? You know, this, uh, uh, this kind of thing. And there's a little bit of this with Jesus. Who do you think you are? We know who you are. You're just Jesus. Uh, what do you think you're doing? I mean, you make this grand claim. But the second one then, Jesus kind of reads their mind in verse 23, and he can see what they're thinking. And the second claim is, is prove it. So he says, surely you will quote this proverb about me, physician, heal yourself. Um, what, in a sense, he's saying, as in if you were a, if you were a doctor, you would know how to practice. Um, it's not so much saying that he needs um, healing, but more that can you prove it? And particularly, we've heard you do this stuff in, in other places, and why don't you do it here in your hometown? And we've heard you do it in you know, the regions around. So if you're not going to do it here, um, what's the point? And Jesus, I think in one of the strangest moments in this passage, Jesus actually, they're getting cross with him. And he stokes their anger. And he starts to take them on. And he does it by referring back into um, Israel's history. Uh, there is a great program on um, Radio 4, BBC Radio 4, called The Long View, if ever you've heard it. Jonathan Friedland's in the um, He takes a moment that's in the news now, and then he says, let's look at something in the past and see if it sheds any light on what we're going through at the moment. So then the program is about what happened in the past, maybe 100 years ago, 200 years ago, whatever it might be. Jesus does exactly that. He says, take the long view. Let's look at the time of Elijah and Elisha. And he says, in Elijah and Elisha's time, uh, so in Elijah's time there were many widows. Uh, the sky was shut for three and a half years. Uh, God wasn't helping them. He was judging them. There was a severe famine. And Elisha, Elijah wasn't sent to any of those widows but to a widow in Zarephath. And then in um, Elisha, who follows after him, there were many in Israel with leprosy, and not one of them was cleansed, and only Naaman the Syrian. And he's picking on them, and he's doing a couple of things. He's saying, I am that caliber of prophet. Now, uh, Elijah and Elisha are like Premier League prophets in the Old Testament. They are seriously, you know, they're up there. And he says, I am like them, which again is another grand claim. But he's also having a really, he's really stoking uh, the situation because this is a real low point in the history of God's people. This is when God went elsewhere. He went to widows who were Gentiles. He went to a leper who was a Syrian. 
It is a low point. And so when Jesus is listening to them and they're wanting him to do stuff for them here, he is really stoking their anger. Now, why is he doing that, and what is he doing? Well, he is really challenging their view of him. That internal anger, that kind of critical spirit, who do you think you are? He is really taking that on. And if you look in verse 28, they are furious. The people of the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove out of town, drove him out of town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. Imagine this. I describe this situation. Imagine somebody comes back. I was imagining a mission partner. Sorry if your mission partners are here. Um, that sort of moment as this plays out. Imagine if we then all decided to rise up and take them and drag them out somewhere. There's not exactly a hill in Flatfields, is there? There's that kind of slight sloping one. I don't know if you know. Did you know that they do this this early in Jesus' career. You might think of the end of his life when they wanted to kill him. Did you know they started that way? And Luke lays out, I suggested to you, having kind of portrayed the Messiah and what the Messiah is going to do and what he's going to bring and is going to be um, in many ways cosmic and extraordinary uh, and fantastic. When he arrives here on earth amongst ordinary people like you and me, actually he divides pretty quickly people who are interested and people who are fervently against him. And this question is the question that I guess we're going to take into this next uh, five or six weeks. How do we respond to Jesus' words? What do we make of them? Does he get under our skin? Does he irritate us? Perhaps if you're not uh, a Christian here this morning, does it, do you find yourself uh, annoyed at what he claims and says? And how dare he? Or is there something in what he says that draws your attention and thinks, maybe... Maybe I am interested. How do we expect others, uh, perhaps if you're a Christian here, you have friends, family, how do we expect others to respond to his words? Do, they, do we imagine they'll say, oh, yes, he's, he's fine, he's just a, a lovely teacher. You know, he's, we don't need to worry too much about him. Or has he got more to say to them? And Luke, as he opens this section here, I think would say, don't be surprised that this is the question. How do we respond to Jesus' words? Don't be surprised that this is the question. People are going to react very differently to his words. It will help you and I navigate where we're going. Some will see him as a threat to get rid of. But I think Luke would say as well, you wait. As we go through this, some are going to be amazed and are drawn to what he can do and who he is. At the very end, uh, the last bit, verse 30, um, it's almost a throwaway line. They're there, they've, take, they've dragged him out, and they've taken him to the, uh, uh, the edge of this cliff, ready to throw him over. And 
easily, well, in some ways it is picked up in that series, Messiah. There is a moment where he escapes. Um, Easily something that could go into that kind of series. Jesus walks right through the crowd and goes on his way. I think, it, we're not, it's not 100% clear, is it? I think it is some kind of miracle. They are ready to kill him, and he just walks through on his way. Uh, there was a Guardian review of the Messiah series uh, by Lucy Mangan, um, and she wrote about this kind of figure. I said, uh, compelling, um, divisive, dangerous, genuine, we're not sure. And she wrote this. The reason she thinks the series is so compelling is a sign that we are hardwired for hope. The man standing in front of me promises to end all human suffering. And we're programmed deeply to seek answers and invest in those who purport to provide them. We're hardwired for hope. There's this Messiah standing in front of me, promising to end all human suffering. And we're programmed deeply to seek answers and invest in people who might bring that. And I think it's profoundly true and interesting that she should write that response to a series, uh, a series with a figure who's a, a kind of slightly cryptic and difficult to make sense of. How much more with Jesus, the Son of God? That's the question we'll be asking as we go through. Uh, there will be those uh, who respond very negatively to him. But we'll see some who begin to see in him this hope for you and for me and for our world. So why don't we pray together? Gracious Father, maybe we have not spent much time looking at your son for a while. Uh, Maybe we have not really thought about who he is uh, and what his coming to earth looked like. But I pray that you would allow us in these next few weeks to engage with who your son really is. I pray we'd be reminded afresh of what he came to do and what he can do. And I pray it would help us navigate this world uh, as we put our hope in many different things. Would we see the hope that he brings? Would we see the reality that he will divide? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.